bid you welcome in the Savior's precious name to God's house today. We worship the Lord as we sing together paraphrase 44, Behold the Savior on the cross, a spectacle of woe. Let's read together Psalm 143. As we come to pray and ask the Lord to hear us today, we can identify with this opening verse, can't we? Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness, answer me. And in thy righteousness, And enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me, and my heart within me is desolate. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. 
I muse on the work of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as the thirsty land, Selah. Hear me speedily, O Lord. My spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me, lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake, for thy righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. And of thy mercy, cut off mine enemies and destroy all them that afflict my soul, for I am thy servant. May God bless the reading of his words every heart. Let's all bow together in prayer. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, it is to thee we come this day in worship, praise, and adoration. We have nothing of ourselves to give or present that would make us worthy or accepted in thy sight. But Lord, we're not asked to bring anything, for Christ has provided it all. Through his blood and his righteousness, we have confidence to approach the throne of grace with boldness, to come to our God today as his children with a cry in our heart, Abba, Father. We acknowledge our God as our Father. We praise thee as our creator and maker, the one who upholds us every day, who puts the very breath in our bodies, who permits us to take the next step that we take. In him we live and move and have our being. And Lord, we come to a God who provides for our needs. We thank you for the terrible provision that we have every day, for food on the table, for shelter, for all the good things that the Lord has given. We acknowledge that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, comes down, as the Scripture reminds us, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And Lord, we give thanks for the greatest gift of all, and that is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We thank Thee for each child of God in this meeting today. We can look back to a moment when we experienced the new birth, when the Holy Spirit entered, regenerated our souls, made us alive unto God, enabled us to turn from sin unto Christ. We find in Him a refuge, a Savior, a Redeemer. His blood cleansed our sins away. We were made fit for the eternal kingdom of heaven. Lord, we're glad that our backs are towards the world and towards sin. Our faces are towards heaven, towards home. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. We're here for a little time as strangers and pilgrims. Our sight is upon glory. We've set our eyes upon those things that are above. We are laboring for treasures of worth. The Lord has told us to lay not up for ourselves treasures on the earth, but to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Help us by your grace to do that. We pray for those that mourn today, and we've been thinking this week of those whose loved ones have been taken and laid to rest. We pray that the God of all comfort and the Father of mercies will be their portion.
pray for our sister, Mrs. Cairns, here. And we know that this week has been a difficult week for her. Her brother passing away, being buried on Friday. We think of Dr. Cairns passing away just two years ago yesterday. We pray that you will sustain your child and encourage her in the Lord. We thank you that God has been her stay, her refuge, her anchor. And Lord, we do pray that thou will remember Sister Anna Curry as well. We think of our brother John and how that he would have been 70 yesterday if he had been spared. But Lord, you took him home and we bow in humble submission to the will of God in all these things. Thou art the giver of life. And at that moment when God has ordained for us to depart this world, we shall leave. Thou art the one who will take us from the earth in which you have placed us for a little time. And so we acknowledge the sovereignty of God in all these things. Remember our sister Aline as she goes for her surgery tomorrow, that thou will bless her, bring her through it to the glory of God. May she know the overwhelming sense of the presence of God at this time. Bless this day, sanctify it to us, that which has already taken place by way of prayer, the teaching of your word to the children and in the Bible class also. We pray for tonight's meeting as Jonathan comes to preach the word and our sister comes to sing. Pray for next weekend and even the special remembrance service that the presence of God will be here and that you will help us to preach the gospel to dying men and women. Lord, hear our prayer. Shut us in with yourself. Continue with us for Christ's sake. Amen. A very warm word of welcome uh, to the congregation today in the Savior's name. And those that are joining us on the internet, we bid you a welcome as well. Family night is tonight at seven, and the preacher is Mr. Jonathan Whiteside from Port of Ogie. Kirsten McMullen is the singer. Do remember this special meeting and invite your families, bring them along to hear God's word. Refreshments will be served, and just to clarify that there is a team of ladies who will provide uh, the supper tonight. Remember us as we go to a Hori Gospel Mission, this mission that is organized by Tanbrugee Free Church, that the Lord will bless us. I've been asked to preach just two of the nights. There are four men that are taking part, so I'll be preaching tonight, God willing, and on Wednesday. Tomorrow for our teachers is an Education Board Teacher Training Day here in Balamoni. It'll take place. Monday night's also our monthly session meeting at 8 o'clock. Tuesday night, the Youth Challenge for the children at 7. And Wednesday night, returning to the special meeting in Ahore. Thursday night is the midweek service, 8 o'clock, when we hope to be here to bring the word. On Friday night, the Youth Fellowship are traveling to Randallstown to the Youth Mission, and the minibuses are leaving at 7 o'clock. Remember that, young people, we put up a difference next Friday night. Uh, you may have seen this advertised. There's a special mission for young people taking place in Randallstown. Reverend Joshua Moffat is the, the preacher, and he's dealing this week with the story of Samson. Next Lord's Day, the prayer meeting is at 8 o'clock. The Sunday school at 10.30. The Bible class at a quarter to 11. And our brother Greg Gibson will, will deal with a subject that's near to his heart. What do Roman Catholics believe? And how can we reach them for Christ? It's a very important subject. And we certainly want to be reaching out to all today with a glorious gospel. How do we do that? That answer will be given next Sunday morning. The worship service, 12 noon. The remembrance service, a special service, which is a wreath-laying ceremony as well, uh, is at 7 o'clock, and a special testimony from Major David Johnston from the Royal Irish Rangers. Now we're preaching. We hope that the choir will be singing. And if you have seen this on the internet, share it with others. Invite them to come along next Sunday night. Refreshments will be served, and we're asking all the ladies to help out in anticipation of a good number being here. If the ladies can bring three quarters of a loaf of sandwiches and one and a half dozen buns. Thank you sincerely for your tithes and offerings to the Lord's work 
It's Let the Bible Speak Envelopes and Missionary Covenant today, and next week is the Building Fund. Can I mention this again, the Hebron Church Dinner? You need to get your name on the list if you're going. It's coming up now very soon, the 2nd of December, and there's a main course in dessert, and you can see the price list there at the door. Please get your name onto it if you can this day. We also have Let the Bible Speak calendars, uh, which are five pounds. It's a special 50th anniversary issue. Uh, so Let the Bible Speak is 50 years old this year. And uh, some very uh, poignant pictures you'll find of interest. The first one for January is the founder of Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Alan Kearns, and other significant pictures that deals with our history over the years. Another one of Dr. Kearns and the Reverend Curran. So you can look through these yourselves. A special edition uh, for this year, the price, five pounds. Put your name on the sheet. Let us know how many copies that you take, and then we can get you chased up if needs be. The Vision magazine is also available. There's a free copy to every family. We want you to take this, read through it, some interesting articles, including from the mission field. We pray for the sake of the church. Just give a moment to let you look at those names, remember them before the Lord, and also for the land of Ukraine with all its need. We remember these folks and the various ministries and projects day by day. We prayed for our sister Aline, and she's going for surgery tomorrow. We'll be leaving early in the morning to travel down to one of the hospitals in Dublin. Do remember her before the throne of grace. want also to sincerely thank those who worked yesterday just down there in the the car park area beside the school, there was a tree that came down in the storm. It actually split in half. Half of it landed on a neighbor's fence and the other half fell into our side. And uh, we appreciate the men that came in yesterday and worked hard to get this tree uh, dismantled, sawed up and disposed of. Thanks, Stephen, for coming to preach at the open air yesterday. Good number joined with us as they the gospel was presented. And we want to thank you for remembering us in prayer during our trip to Romania. We got back safely on Monday night, and on Thursday night past, we gave a full report of the visit. So I don't need to go into that report today, except just to share a few of those slides with you and the areas particularly that we visited. We flew down to the capital city of Bucharest, and then we drove on out about an hour and 40 minutes to visit this family, little girl, Florentina, and her six siblings, and her mum and dad. And she was absolutely delighted with the, the clothes that were sent over. We also had the opportunity to visit with Deborah House and meet the girls, spend a day with them. And they very kindly uh, helped with the shoebox project, 140 Shoe boxes were made up all together, and we were able to spend the evening with them in one of the local shopping centers. And then on the Saturday, we traveled to Muldamanoa, and uh, this was just the very first thing that happened when we arrived. A little boy came along and gave my wife some flowers, so that was a lovely little touch. And we were able to pass on some of these gifts to the poor children in this community. Just some of the men wanted to photograph taken with me, and many of you remember Maria, and that's two of her children. Uh, please remember these children before the throne of grace and prayer, that the Lord will bless them. Connected with Romania, we're also to help, able to help this week a family from Alesht, the VBS group that went out in the summertime will remember this family, I'm sure, and uh, they needed some help. The mother was going to hospital for surgery and they needed some practical help in that way, and we were able to do that. Remember the Sloan family? We mentioned this on Thursday night. They are getting tremendous opportunities to present the gospel in Ukraine. About 200 people coming out now to listen to the Word of God as the gospel is preached. We also remember our Romanian friends as they travel with emergency aid and uh, distribute this to those that are most in need.
We also received a couple of photographs from Uganda. This is the maize growing at the school. The school has a farm right next door to the building. And the, the message is it's doing much better this time due to the rainfall. So very, very lush looking, seems to be doing very well. And that will give them a harvest and that will provide food for the children for a period of time. These are all the announcements that I have to make. We're singing together 211. There is a story sweet to hear. I love to tell it too. It fills my heart with hope and cheer. Tis old yet ever new. Let's all stand to sing. Coming to message 66 in our studies here in the Gospel of Mark, our meditations from Mark, and coming to the next little section, verse 31 to 33. The beauty about going through a book like this is you come to the next section, God has a word here, and we're being brought through so many scenes, so many subjects. So much teaching, and I trust today that there will be great application for us, and that the Lord will speak as we think about what's happening here, what Jesus is saying, and we're introduced to Peter again, and uh, we see a different side of Peter, but we'll, we'll come to that just in a moment. Let's read these verses, Mark chapter 8, verse 31 through to 33. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. 
And he spake that saying openly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And we're just ending the short reading there at verse 33. Let's pray. Lord, there's never a time that we come to your precious word, but we need your help. Of ourselves, we are weak and we can't fully comprehend divine truth. But Lord, you've given a teacher. You've given the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. We thank you, Lord, for this gospel and the opportunity that we've had these weeks now, going down the verses, going through each chapter, and just lifting out the next little section and asking the question, what is God for me today? What is the Lord saying? And we pray that every Christian will will approach the Word now just that way, take away the distractions, those things that would cram our minds so that we might not be thinking about your Word. Give us the ability to concentrate our thoughts. We pray that you'll bring our thoughts into subjection to your Word. And Lord, may we know the ministry of the Spirit in the pew, here in the pulpit. Baptize me afresh with the Holy Ghost and with power, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The title today is just a little bit longer than some of the the titles that we've given to you. Peter failing to discern the sovereign will of God and Christ's needful rebuke of him. That's what we want to preach on by the grace of God today. You will know in this passage, and we looked at it the last time, we have Peter's great confession statement. Thou art the Christ. And we saw how Matthew gave the the fuller statement followed by the words, the Son of the living God. And it is at that moment that Jesus declares, and it's Matthew that tells us this, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want to remind you that the church of Jesus Christ is built solidly and firmly upon this mighty statement of Peter, Thou art the Christ. This is my foundation. This is my standing. Indeed, this is my eternal hope. I have no other security for eternity than being grounded and founded upon the rock, Christ Jesus. Peter is declaring in this statement, of course, if you remember the deity of Christ, Jesus Christ is God. He's declaring the eternality of Christ that Christ is eternal without beginning of days and without end of life, declaring the purity of Christ, that there was no sin in him, and that purity declares purity regarding his birth and his character. He's declaring the remedy of Christ, that there is no other answer for our sin. There is no other way whereby our sin can be dealt with, no other way whereby we can be delivered from hell and go to heaven than through the work of Christ upon the cross of Calvary. And this statement also is proclaiming the sufficiency of Christ. We need nothing else. It's Christ and Christ alone. Now, in this section that I've read just after the confession of Peter and what the Lord had to say about that confession, the building of his church, we have the Lord talking to his disciples about the cross. He tells them plainly what is going to happen. He did this from time to time in his ministry, that he must suffer many things, that he must be rejected, and after three days he would be, he would rise again. He would be killed, and then he would rise again. And this is the gospel, isn't it? The gospel is founded upon the suffering and the death of Christ followed by his glorious resurrection. 
Death could not keep its prey when it came to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he rose again victoriously over death. Christianity, therefore, is founded upon the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. Isn't this the message of this book? Isn't the whole merciful proclamation of God to a fallen world centered around these doctrines? When Peter stood up in the midst of the other disciples on the day of Pentecost and proclaimed the gospel to the thousands of people that had gathered, wasn't this the heart of the message that he brought to those people? We read about it in Acts chapter 2, that great sermon. Let me just read a couple of verses to you. 23 and 24, Peter says, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. That's the message of the cross and the message of the resurrection. Paul summarized the gospel also when he wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 15 and verses 3 and 4. I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So what the Lord is setting before his disciples is the great purpose of God in Christ, the reason why Jesus had come into the world. He came to die. He came to be crucified. He came to put away our sin by the sacrifice of himself. And glory to God, he was gloriously resurrected on the third day. The crucifixion and the resurrection, the heart of the gospel. But look at Peter's reaction to this, what the Lord has just said. Come back to Mark chapter 8 and verse 32. Jesus spake that saying openly, and Peter took him. The idea here is that that he actually laid hold upon the Savior. He, He physically laid hold upon him. Maybe even brought him to the side to do what this text is saying. He rebuked him. He rebuked him. Maybe he didn't want to do that in front of the other uh, apostles. And then consider Christ's reaction to Peter in verse 33. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And really, this is the two things I want to draw your attention to this morning in these two verses. I want you to see Peter's serious error. And that error, of course, is in what we read in verse 32. Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Now, we might well understand why Peter reacted in this way. Maybe not rebuking Christ, but certainly challenging him, questioning him about what he's just said. Jesus has just said, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. And Matthew gives us the the actual wording of Peter's rebuke to the Savior in Matthew 16 and verse 22. Be it far from thee, Lord. This shall not be unto thee. Jesus says, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. And Peter says, no, 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 Lord. Be that far from thee. That's not going to happen. A suffering Messiah a Messiah that would be killed. That was certainly not what the Jews were expecting when they thought about the Messiah coming into the world. And it seems here it was not what the disciples were expecting either. It was unthinkable that Jesus was going to suffer and that he was going to die. You see, the Messiah was a symbol of of strength and victory, not of weakness or what might be interpreted as, as defeat if he was to suffer and to die. And so Peter rebukes the Lord. Now, I have no doubt 
that this rebuke of Peter was out of love. There's no question whatsoever about the love that Peter had for the Savior. But he was unwittingly used by Satan. And you need to learn that. In passing, a man can be used by Satan and not even know it. Indeed, a Christian can be used by Satan and fail to discern what is happening. You can say things. You can do things. You can react in certain ways, and you have failed to discern the will of God in your life and in the life of others. You don't have to be demon-possessed to be used by the devil We need to be on our guard lest we are unwittingly used by Satan. Peter was always forward to speak without thinking. You know that. He was quick in his responses and often careless in what he said, for he did not take time to consider the matter before responding. We have often called him impetuous Peter. That just simply means he was impulsive, he, he was hasty, he was spontaneous, even reckless and foolhardy. He often spoke or reacted on the spur of the moment. My mother used to give me very good advice if you're going to respond to somebody. And she used to say to me, count to ten before you give an answer, before you speak. Maybe I needed that exhortation or she wouldn't have given it to me. Maybe I was very hasty and very quick to respond to people. That's good advice. Instead of being like Peter and so hasty to respond, think about it. Take time to think about how you're going to react, what you're going to say. In Matthew chapter 14, after the the feeding of the 5,000, you remember how the disciples got into the ship and Jesus went out to the mountain to pray. He was going to be in prayer to his father while these disciples are going to be at sea. And a great storm erupted in the middle of the night. You can just picture the scene. It was dark and, and this sea of Galilee was beaten into to a great storm. The waves were crashing into the ship and the great swell that the ship was rising and falling and the disciples were afraid. But Jesus came, came walking on the water, and the disciples did not understand this or discern at the start it was Jesus, not until he shouted out. Remember what he said, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And as soon as Peter knew who it was, discerned who it was, he wanted to be with Jesus, and Jesus says, come. We understand that, don't we? We ought to feel like that at least. That when we know it's Jesus in the midst of the storm, we want to be there. We want to be with the Lord. We want to be near to Him. Do you want to be near Christ, dear child of God? Is that how you live every day? I want to be drawn closer to Him. Ah, Peter loved the Lord. He wanted to be with the Lord. And Peter jumped down out of the ship into the angry waters to go to Jesus. No other disciple did that. No other disciple left the safety of the ship. But you see, this is, this is Peter's nature always quick to respond, always quick to jump in there. And Peter left the ship to go to Jesus. And we know what happened. He saw the wind, boisterous, and he was afraid, and he began to sink. Perhaps Peter, on that occasion also, had not just thought the thing through. His desire was good. Love the Lord. I want to be with the Lord, and I'm going to jump overboard just to go to be with Christ. But he didn't realize what was going to happen and he he didn't see what would take place because of that decision and he's into the storm and he's sinking now in the storm. I don't condemn Peter, not for one moment, either for leaving the safety of the ship or being afraid when he's there in the midst of the water because I wouldn't be any better than him. And if I had that love in my heart for Christ that I ought to have, and I was there on that ship, I think I would want to be with Christ 
whether I would be like the other disciples and wait till the storm was ceased and the Lord came up into the boat to be with me or whether I'd be like Peter so hastily jumping in there, I don't know. I don't condemn him. But I wouldn't be any different. But the story just shows the kind of character that Peter was. And this was his nature. It characterized him all the way through the ministry of Christ, even right to the end. At the end, at the Mount of Olives and in Gethsemane, Peter was no different. Turn just for a moment or two to the Gospel of Matthew and the chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 30. When they had sung in him, this is the Savior and the disciples leaving now the upper room where they had celebrated the Lord's Supper before going to the Garden of Gethsemane. When they had sung an hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this, this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the rock flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise said all the disciples. You see again the nature of Peter, hasty, impetuous, jumping in there, Jesus says, you're all going to be offended. The Lord knew it was going to happen. He could see the hearts of these men. He knew exactly what they would do. Peter says, no, no, definitely not. I'm, I'm going to stand with you, Lord. I'll go to prison. I'll, I'll even die with you, Lord. As he jumps in there without thinking the thing through. Here in Mark chapter 8, we see the scene. Peter is so quick to, to rebuke Christ. In fact, it's very hard to conceive how, how these words could stand together when it comes to any child of God, rebuke and Christ. How could any child of God dream of rebuking the Lord? And yet it was so. It ought not to be, but it happened here. I want you to see what's happening in this passage before we move on to the next point. I want you to see Peter confess Jesus is the Messiah. A wonderful thing. Thou art the Christ. Jesus complimented Peter, telling him that, that God had revealed this to you. Peter, you didn't come to this conclusion. You didn't come to this confession by yourself. No, my Father has revealed this to you, Peter. And what you have said is right. I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. Jesus speaks of his impending suffering, rejection, death, and resurrection. He tells these men, he tells this disciple, particularly Peter, who has just confessed him, I'm going to die. Peter felt it wasn't right. And he believed he had the mind of God again. He believed that God had revealed this unto him and rebuked the Lord. What foolishness. Please note carefully, what Peter did was not in line with the Scriptures. Scriptures are clear about the Messiah coming into the world. Scriptures are clear about what would happen, the suffering, the rejection, the death, the resurrection of the blessed Christ. And Peter what he did, what he said, did not line up with the mind of God. Furthermore, what Peter said was in direct contradiction to Christ. Jesus has just said, Peter, I'm going to die. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to be raised again. And Peter says, no, directly in contradiction to what Jesus had just said. And then you'll see that Peter, what he said was in contradiction to the spiritual authority that was over him. And Christ, as far as these men were concerned, was their spiritual authority. And we need to learn from Peter. We need to learn from him. 
Don't pass this passage over so quickly without praying a prayer, at least in your heart. Lord, what can I learn here? What, what would God say to me now as I think of Peter? Well, I think for one thing, we need to be careful in quick reactions that fail to discern the will of God. We're not to be hasty. We're not to jump in there so quickly. Now, of course, there are times when I long for a sincere and immediate response, which are in the will of God. Some unsaved person, when the gospel is preached, I, I would want an immediate reaction from them. I'm coming to Christ. And I'd want that response to be done right there and then. Or when it comes to God's people and their service for the Lord, consecrating themselves to the Lord, handing themselves over for Christian work, going out there in obedience to the Lord to do His mind and His will. You'd want that kind of immediate response as the disciples gave when they were first called. Immediately, straightway, they left their nets, you remember, and they followed Christ. But we need to be careful that when we react to something, we know the will of God. We need to be careful if we have had success and a knowledge about God's will and even receiving a blessing as a result, as Peter did, because Peter did know the, the mind of God, thou art the Christ. Jesus commended him for it, and that was a blessing. But we need to be careful that we are not so quick, perhaps even through pride and arrogance, thinking that we know the mind of God in everything or in other matters, as it seems it happened with Peter. Furthermore, we need to be careful that we have an accurate knowledge of God's Word and God's will, so that we do not fly in the face of divine truth. If the Bible has said something, and you are saying something opposite to what the Bible is saying, we can be very sure that what you're saying is wrong. God will never work contrary to His revealed Word. We need to be careful that we don't rebuke Christ over any matter. Whatever happens, whatever He says to us, never dream of doing what Peter did and rebuking the Lord. And we also need to be careful that we consider seriously the spiritual authority that God has given, and He has given spiritual authority in the church in the form of elders who are given that overseeing role in the church of Jesus Christ. And if we go to our spiritual oversight for guidance and for wisdom, take the advice that is given. These are men of God that have been put there for that reason. Well, my friends, Peter had to be reprimanded for what he did. And that brings me on to my second and my final uh, point, and that is Christ's sharp rebuke. Verse 33 of Mark chapter 8. When he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. This was a strong rebuke from Christ, but absolutely necessary. Just a few minutes before Peter spoke as the messenger of God. Thou art the Christ, proclaiming all the glorious truths encapsulated in that title that I've mentioned already to you. But now Peter is speaking as a messenger of Satan. We can be sure that Peter did not know that he spoke on behalf of the devil. Peter rebukes Christ for speaking about his suffering and his death and resurrection. Never forget that this was the whole mission of Christ to this world. The very purpose of Jesus coming into the world was ultimately to go to the cross of Calvary and pay the price for sin and rise again as our glorious Savior. This was the purpose of God in Christ. Never forget that. Peter is attempting to deter Christ from going to the cross. Remember what he said, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. You'll not suffer 
says Peter, you'll not die. There's no reason for you to be raised again from the dead because you're not going to die in the first place. Peter, what are you saying? You don't realize that such words are against the mind of God, against the purpose of God in Christ, against the whole scheme of God's redemptive purpose. This is the talk of the devil. These words are inspired by hell itself. So Jesus says, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Peter is a perfect example of how a sincere heart, when it's linked with man's thinking, can often lead to disaster. When we fail to discern the will of God, when we say things and we do things that are contrary to the Scriptures, we deserve the rebuke of Christ. And the Lord will come, and He will tell us in some way, Thou savorest not the things that be of God. When we are, you don't know the mind of God, you fail to discern the will of God. When God has shown something clearly in His Word, when Christ has spoken about a matter that is plain to understand, it's black and white. You need to be careful that you don't go against it. If you do, expect the rebuke of Christ. Now, the Lord is not here physically on the earth as he was with these men, with Peter particularly, to give that rebuke personally, eye to eye. He's not here to speak audibly to us, but he will speak. And he will convey a message of rebuke to your heart. It might be through one of these sermons that we preach on the Sabbath day. You come to the house of God and you listen to God's word and, and there's a rebuke for you. God has a message of reprimand. It might be through a kind friend that loves you and they go to you and they're concerned for you and they're seeking to steer you back into the way again. It might be through some providential circumstance that the Lord has brought into your life and that circumstance speaks to you. It might even be a painful experience which the Lord uses just to get your attention and to rebuke you for your error, but it will come. Oh, dear child of God, be careful where you go. God will never lead you contrary to his word. He will not lead you into the world. No, sir, he will not lead you there because the Scripture is clear on that matter. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Be careful, my dear friends, not only where you go, but be careful what you say to Christ and to others. Don't be rash in your responses. Don't be reckless and foolhardy in your decisions. Don't be used by the devil even unwittingly. Be careful what you do. Be careful what you say. Be careful the decisions that you make. I think that's the message that we get here. Peter loved the Lord. Don't forget that. But Peter was used by the devil, and the Lord had to rebuke him because he stepped out of the mind and the will of God. And the Lord will do that for you and I, graciously and tenderly too. And just as I close, if you're not a Christian, you need to be reminded about what we've said today about the purpose of God and Christ. And that is to gather a great multitude of this world onto the Savior, to bring men and women from the nations of the world to the Savior, that they might be redeemed and their sins pardoned and forgiven, and they go at last to heaven saved by the precious blood of our Savior. Christ came to suffer, and he came to die, and he came to be raised again to life, setting seal to the fact of who he was and what he had accomplished. You need to come to the cross today.
you need to get right with God. And I trust and pray as you listen to the words of the Savior, what he came to do, that your heart will be touched and that you will be drawn irresistibly by grace to Christ this day. Come to know him for Jesus' sake. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for your precious word. We thank you today that the Lord in his mercy steps in when we are. And even though one moment we might be declaring the mind and the will of God as Peter did, thou art the Christ, yet the very next minute we could be saying something that's contrary to the will of God and opposite to what the scriptures teach. Oh Lord, we pray that we'll take heed to Peter. We've got to learn. We've got to learn today from him. And so apply your word to every waiting heart. It's sure to be those without Christ in this service. Bring them to the cross. May they run with all haste to the mount called Calvary and there receive the mercy, forgiveness, and pardon and peace of God through Jesus Christ, for that's what he came to do. Hear this our prayer for Christ's sake. Amen. Trivia 8 is the closing hymn, I am coming to the cross. I am poor and weak and blind. I am counting all but dross. I shall full salvation find. Some of you need to do that today. You need to come to the cross. May you do so for Christ's sake. Let's rise to our feet as we sing. Lord, this worship service is now over. We've had our time together of fellowship in your word. We thank you for that. Thank you for speaking to us in these studies in Mark. And we pray that you will continue to speak. Now that the, the voice of the preacher is silent, we pray that God will speak on. Speak to your people. Speak to my heart. Help me, Lord, to be careful in the things I say and do places I go, that I do not do that which is contrary to the mind of God and to the will of God, or to say something likewise. We pray for any who have not been to the cross as yet, who have not submitted themselves to Christ, who are not saved, 
Lord, bring them to Christ. And they say, I'm coming to the cross. May they say that today. May they flee to the Savior, the only refuge for sinners. Separate us now with your blessing. And remember the meetings tonight. Oh God, we pray for a visitation of God as the gospel is proclaimed. Pray particularly for Johnny as he comes to preach your word. And our sisters, she sings at family night. Pray for our Ukrainian brethren and sisters as they meet likewise. Pour out the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.